Welcome to Staying at the Table. We are friends and community and part of a church called Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Despite our many differences, we aim to stay at the table, which means we don't walk away from each other when we disagree. We believe the best of relationship comes when we're willing to listen to each other, showing love even when we continue to see the world differently. In this episode, we welcome Joni Miller back as she continues sharing her journey of grief, of faith, and of walking side by side with her partner, the Reverend Dr. Robert S. Miller, the founder of Cornerstone Christian Fellowship. And we really get another glimpse into the vulnerability, the the rawness, the realness of what it looks like to walk through a diagnosis in faith. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to Staying at the Table. We are once again so glad that you're joining us and we welcome you to our table. And today we are joined once again with our Reverend Sophia Futris. Welcome, Sophia. Great to be back at the table. And we are also joined by Joni Miller, our Director of Worship and the Arts. I'm here. Good to be here. Thank you. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. And by our incredible Dave Moore, who is our sound guy. I just have a question. Why is Dave incredible? And we're just like Because he comes in early, he sets up, we've got so much machinery, he drags it all here, then he's got to take it down, we all leave, he's still here taking it down, (laughs) then he's got to put in his car, that's why. Also because Matt Kessler's not here to give (laughs) adjectives for everyone. Exactly, that is true, that is very true. So if you joined us last week, and if you did not, I encourage you to go back and listen to part one of Joni's story and her journey with her husband, Bob, um, in his diagnosis and just her experience of uh, that journey. And today we're continuing this conversation, and we landed last episode with um, Bob deteriorating from his diagnoses and after a year of just a, a great year and where we really believed that he was healed and healing and um, we landed with symptoms, were came back with a vengeance and the cancer spread and uh, he had some difficult physical things going on, and that's kind of where we ended. And uh, me also talking at the end of last episode about Bob and Joan and those around them, but primarily Bob and Joan, just standing in faith and trusting God in the midst of all that was going on. So, Joan, where we landed, like I said, was you and Bob, he had a surgery in December 2014. Mm-hmm. We've now moved into January, February. He is um, experiencing just an increase and a deterioration. Mm-hmm. He's, he is, uh, his body is not cooperating. Yeah. yeah. And tell me what was going on with you at that time. So... Very vivid recollections of that time. Um, it was a few days um, 
of really tough physical stuff. Um, and um, I was sleeping. We were sleeping one night, and Dana was home for that. Dana is my son. Um, and he was home for a few days, and, you know, the kids had been coming in and out, and they were great, uh, spending as much time home as they could. Um, and um, Bob got up to use the bathroom, and then we heard this huge crash. And Dana came running out of his room, and I came running out of the bedroom. And um, his legs had given out. So helped him back to uh, the bed. And um, at this point, uh, you know, Bob was just looking at me. Like, I remember him just saying to me pretty much that whole year, whatever you decide, we're going to do. If you think I should go see the doctor, if you think I should take a certain medicine, if you think I should, you know, um, go in for a surgery or whatever is on the table, like you, you figure it out. Like, I'm just going to let you handle all that. Cause he couldn't, he just, you know, when you're that sick, like you just don't have the capacity yeah. to figure out what your body's even doing. And I'm just watching him not being able to make it. And here he is falling and his legs had gotten so weak, um, that it was scaring me. I said, we're going to the hospital. So that next morning, we took off. I called you and Tony. Tony actually, we had to walk him down the stairs and to get him into the car. We got to the hospital. Had to get him in a wheelchair. We went to um, we went to um, Pale. Uh, first, we went to um, Chester, County, Chester County, and um, and he couldn't feel his legs, like he couldn't feel them. And then they they transported him to Paoli. And um, and from that moment on, you know, they talked about another surgery. And, you know, it was just things were happening so fast. And the scans were coming back with more stuff on them that we hadn't seen before. Um, and it turned out he's from pretty much that point on from his rib cage down was paralyzed. I don't know if a lot of people knew that. I don't think they do. Um, I don't know if there was any public sharing of that or things that were, you know, it was just like he was in the hospital bed and, you know, and um, yeah, the scans, you know, they were going, they were still doing radiation. They were talking about another surgery. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, you you alluded to what I would was up against with the doctors. And like I said, from the minute, from the minute Bob looked at me from the bed in 2013 and said, and I was by the dresser and he said, I don't want to die. And he said, you're not going to die. It's like I took on this like vow or something of like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to keep you alive. As long, yeah. as, long as we can. I'm going to keep, yeah, you're going to be here. I don't. I don't know that I realized it then, but looking back, I can honestly see. You know, like, of course, because I wanted him here, um, and the kids wanted him here, and the family, and the friends, and uh, the church. But here's like a typical. Like, here's an example. Um, 
you know, we're talking back and forth. Here's our text me- messages, um, you know, all the little cute things and love you and all that's happening. Um, this is like a week, literally week, 10 days before he passed. He said, the doctors are coming in with all their negative reports. Help. And I said, put, them, put me on speaker or tell them to not talk to you until I get there. Like that's just like kind of wraps up what was happening at that point. Um, you know, and then we would go on and have other conversations around that. But it was more like don't let them talk. Don't let them speak negatively to you. You don't need that right now. And so if there was negative stuff to be said, they said it to me, and then I dragged you along with me. So you got to hear it all with me because you were by my side this entire time, these entire years. And Tony was by Bob's side. And Tony was the one who would go in when he was at Paoli those last two weeks, and he would shave him. We just had to cry. <laughs> and he would brush his teeth and help him get dressed every morning before Tony went to work. So that means he was there at like 6 or 5.30, yeah. driving to Paoli. And you were there all the time with me. And um, and Sophia, you were there for all the prayer times. We had... Um, Tracy, you had organized a uh, group of women, or it, was, it wasn't supposed to be just women. There was some men also, but um, it was um, a group that would just come and literally pray over his bed for about an hour or two. I don't even know how long. Every day, we were having worship services over his body. Yeah, and it was so sweet. It was so sweet. Was Dave so brought sweet. in a friend that was. Uh, a, just this like nurse friend of his that's, oh, Dave, that's Bob's right. brother, Dave. That's um, right. Gosh, I forget his name. Joe? No, I don't Joe. 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 Yes. And, um, oh, and he, he was so sweet. He was sweet with his prayers and, and then we would sing over him. And so yeah. like for his last few weeks here on earth, he was receiving the sweetest, like he was not alone. He was never alone. No, he wasn't. People would spend the night with him. Yeah. Stay all night. Yeah. Um, and his family came in, of course, and they, they spent as much time as possible. Um, his mom stayed overnight with him once. Um, there was just ongoing. His brother stayed overnight. His brother and Joe stayed overnight. Uh, just ongoing pouring over him and holding on still. And at one time, the, there was one nurse. She got all of it from me. Like she, she, she came up against me, and she she saw that what was capable inside of me, Joni person. Um, I think she. I don't know what she did. The poor woman. She said he shouldn't be on. The, he was on the oh, wrong yeah. floor. Yeah, and she told shouldn't, you he shouldn't even be on this floor. There's nothing else we can do here. He and be he moved. shouldn't even be on this floor, right? He goes, it scans, and she tried to show me these scans that the doctor hasn't even showed me yet. Right. And scans are showing all, I'm like, I go, stop. You know, you have no right. So I immediately went to the floor manager. 
I'm we. I can't even talk. I'm heaving, weeping so much. I dragged Tracy with me, and I'm just like, I don't want that woman near my husband. And I mean, it was just like that kind of like, like you. I just was like this great protector. Like, I don't know. I felt like I would do anything. I would do anything in the world so that he would not have to hear the negative reports so that he would just feel feel the comfort of prayer and the comfort of um, just was being poured over him. And, you know, you guys that came in, Sophia and um, Sandy and some others that are not around anymore, but God bless them, they came as much as they could. I think it was almost every day for two weeks. Mm -hmm. There was an afternoon prayer that went on. And then we had evening prayers and evening worship. And And I want to pause for a minute, Joan, because that was a lot of pressure for you. Yeah, I don't know what I thought I was. I I don't know. But you stepped into some mode that you were going to single-handedly keep him alive. and Or at least make it, like at least make it comfortable and passable yeah in the moment and it's almost for me what i'm hearing you say is that moment that you said you're not going to die it's almost like you put that pressure I, I did on you to keep him alive and yes to make him comfortable and i do have to say you know it paoli was an incredible hospital the doctors were incredible but I got to I got to say they do not like it when you have a community that's Oh yeah, they didn't like us there. No, and they no. did not like that we were praying for him, which for me I think that would have been any hospital. Yes, which for me was just let us. Like we're not going to we're not going to stop it. Like but, but we had like in like the entire waiting room was us. Yeah, but <laughs> But they, the conversation you had with one of the doctors was he was looking you in the eye, which is what Bob was saying, was they kept coming into him every morning and saying, you know, you're going to die. Yeah, like they, they were- Like, yeah. I know. Like, you know, you know, the test came back and, right. and this is what we found. And that's what the doctor said to you when you and I were sitting there was, you know, he's going to die. And you were like, let us believe. Yeah. Let us, let us do what we need to do for us. I did. I said, I appreciate that's, that yes. you're giving me honest, an honest conversation. But I believe that there's still a possibility yes, for a miracle. there's still hope. I said, so I'm going to land on that and, you know, just keep directing whatever you want towards me. Right. Right. I don't know where that all came from. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know how I did that. Honestly, I don't know what the, I don't know what the heck I, you know. I think I just, I couldn't imagine for it to be true. And I just was just such hope and such desperation for it not to be true. Yeah. That he could possibly not be here. Yeah. It's just, I couldn't even like, it couldn't even be a possibility. Couldn't wrap your head around it. It could not be, it couldn't be real. And so you combine that with faith that knowing God can do miracles. He still does miracles. I still believe that. I would still pray just as much for anyone I loved and anyone that I could possibly pray for, for great things to happen. You know, um, yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, we did that for two weeks and then uh, they basically kind of pulled me and said, you're going to have to move them. And so uh, went through that whole transition. My brain You're going to have to move them where? To a hospice. Yeah. And I didn't know what that was. And I remember saying to Bob, I go, we're going to move you to, I think it was called Neighborhood Hospice. It's mm-hmm. not there anymore. Um, because they uh, they really just want to keep you comfortable. And he said, and what we're going to do is they're going to teach us, you know, how to give you your your medicine and how to take care of you so that you can come home and we'll, you know, do it there. And he, he looks at me, he goes, I'm not coming home. You're not you're not taking care of me. So he was like watching out for me. Yeah. While I'm trying to watch out for him. And knowing him is just so clear that he would he did not want to be so the you know somebody that would have to have full time nursing care at the house and he you know it just it, it he couldn't fathom that for himself and i also wonder because who he was as pastor he has spent a lot of time at neighborhood hospice he knew he knew he knew he, he knew, he, he he knew said, what that meant he said something like oh oh so oh forget what he said exactly but it was something like so i'm not going to make it or you know it was something like that like he he no 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 no. we're just going to go there to take care of you and um and go ahead did Did, what did you know at that point no okay no we went to i thought we were going to be there for like a couple months you know figuring things out and uh Yeah, and his parents, so his parents were there. They came down that day, um, then they left. The kids were there. Me and Christy stayed overnight at the hospice. There was a little side room, and uh, he was having trouble breathing, so they they gave him something to relax. Well, actually, that night when we got there, we were eating Wendy's, and he, he was— did. He rallied. He rallied. He was actually, like, sort of propped up in bed— not like chatting it up, but you know, watching basketball. We were watching the Sixers, sitting around. Um, yeah, and, and I, I do want to. Uh, you, you say you didn't know, but you and I had many conversations where I was like, Joan, it's going to go one of two ways. He's mm-hmm. either going to die, or he's going to be healed. Yes, that's exactly. So you did. You weren't. And I want to say that because you weren't in a fantasy, no, 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 like no. with your eyes glazed no. over. You you recognized that, no. But there was so much hope and faith. I mean, I sat there, and the doctor at the hospital of uh, oncology, the radiologist who had been working with Bob for over a year now, he um, he pulled me into his office. I think Christy was with me, my daughter. And he goes, these are the scans of his back mm-hmm. and his his brain. And lungs. And lungs. And it was just covered. And the reason that he had lost his eyesight on his right eye was that there was also stuff. There was also 
cancer up in his cheek and eye socket that was completely missed. Nobody ever saw that. They never took pictures of his wow. his head and his upper upper neck because they thought everything was located lower. Um, he had just so many horrifying memories of like that pop in your head and you go, did I do the right thing? Did I say the right thing? Was I, was I in a fantasy? And I'm like, no, I'm pretty much we were in it together. You were. I mean, me and, you know, but there was a little bit of that like crazy hope, crazy faith. Yeah. Stand on it. And I thanked the doctor and I walked out and, you know, kept going. Yeah. I don't know how I did that, honestly. It was, Supernatural. It was, yeah. yeah. There's, there's pieces that you don't put together for your, your sanity's sake. It's true. Yeah. And there's no formula in these moments. You know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. You did it the way that you knew how to do it. Yeah. With, the, with the tools you had. Yeah, with what you knew how to do. And for you, that was crazy hope, right? Yeah. That, that like, endless faith. And we were in it together. Yeah. You know, it was his hope. I grabbed onto, I became a part of it. And it was my faith that he grabbed onto and became, you know, it was like both faith and uh, both of us feeding off each other and helping each other through. And, you know, he he would text me, and I have some right here, you know, just really sweet things and thanking me and, you know, just I couldn't have done this without you. I'm so proud of you, you know, just your love of Jesus and your love for me and the kids. And, you know, this, like he knew, he saw, like, everything. Um, but towards the end, the, none of those conversations happened. Mm-hmm. It was more just keep him comfortable. Um yeah, and then we got through that day, and, and he pretty much never really woke up after that. There were some movements that he responded to, but um, and the nurse or head nurse did the same thing the doctors at Pioli did, and they just pulled me aside and kind of said, it's probably not too long here. And I did the same thing back and went, okay, thank you. You know, like, it was Dana's birthday. He had his friends there playing games in the parlor and people were praying in the next room and family members were there. Yeah. And even up until the last, do you want to tell the story about when the person came in and read the Bible verse? Do you remember that? Go ahead. Do you, you don't want to tell the story? the That God gave him a promise, mm. and I can't remember the verse. Psalm 103, I think. Wow, or okay. Or 101. Yeah, that I'll see the hand of the Lord in the land of the living or something like that. And God had given him that promise, and I think it was your his mom and dad, and they brought somebody with them, and that person gave that verse. He read that. Oh, no, it was the chaplain from hospice or something. It was on the phone. And he read the exact verse that God gave Bob at the very beginning of this journey. Yeah. And this was 
hour. This was maybe an hour before he passed away. It was pretty soon. And he lifted his arm up and just like shook it like, praise God. And it was like, even in that moment, Bob was standing by faith. Like, yeah, it was... It was amazing to the very end. Yeah. That's why when somebody says to me, you know, whatever, questioning, I'm always like, I, I think of him in that in those last moments that he lived by faith to the very end. Yeah. To to his last breath. Mm-hmm. He lived by faith. I think that was probably one of the most profound things I've ever seen in my life. And uh, And what I here in it too is God's faithfulness to him Mm. of saying, I hear you, I see you, I'm with you Mm. till the very end that I'm going to send this random person to you. Yeah. I still see you. In your last minutes. Yeah. And I'm going to say it back to you as you've said it to me. Mm. And I'm going to say it back to you. Oh, I, I absolutely believe that, especially at Paoli, he was like, Visiting the out, oh. the, visiting the outskirts of heaven, the like, Lebnox. Yeah, I mean, I just think there was times where I was like, "Where were you?" And he was, he just had so much peace. And yes, yes, it was profound. And he was awake. It wasn't like a morphine kind of thing, or you know, yeah. yeah. You both did. You both did. The um, I did. I did have this that written down here. Um. Because later on that day, he did take his last breath. And uh, I remember I wrote this down at some point later afterwards. Um, When Bob was breathing his last breath on earth, I came close to his face Mm. and ears and kissed him in my favorite spot near his eye. And I said to him, you did so good, Pooks. Mm. You did so good. You were so brave. You were so courageous. You did so good. And he left earth hearing those words. And he took his last breath. And he entered heaven hearing the same words from Jesus as he greeted Bob with open arms. And he said, well done, Bob, my sweet son, my faithful good servant. You did so good. Sweet. That's sweet. Yeah. Because, I mean, it was almost like, I just, I just wanted him to know how proud we were of him and like it was okay to go, you know, it was okay to go. Like, you did it, man. You fought it. You, 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 you faithed it. You fought it. You, you stood in it. Yeah. You brought it in. You fought the good fight. You you stood on it. You took care of as much as you could. And just and that was like this point of like, don't struggle anymore. Don't put up with this stupid pain anymore. Yeah, just go. Yeah, you know. I think the 
only difference is probably God said to him, welcome, pooks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that would crack him up. Come here, pooks. <laughs> that was our little name. We had lots of names, but that was one of them. That was our, fa- our favorite one. You know what I think is sweet about that moment that you're saying, too, is you joined him and said, you know, I won't let you. Right. Or you won't. You won't die. Yeah. And in that moment of his dying, you you mm. gave him that release of love and telling him, you know, you did good, right? Yeah. And you met him in both at the met both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And that's that's love. Yeah, you know, you know, the whole movie love is is just like full of it. Because the real parts of love and the real parts of life are Maybe not that dramatic for everybody every day, but it's the living in the moment. It's the looking past some of the crazy stuff and the inconsistencies of relationships. And yeah, I don't know. I just wanted him to know just how much we loved him. I don't think there's a doubt about from him yeah. on that. Yeah. And so then, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go no, ahead. no. You go, go, go. Well, I'm just like in random mode now. Just, just kind of how I wrote. Um, so you wrote that, and then now you're on a completely different track. Yeah. Because now we have to let the church know, which we're not going to go into that side. Yeah, that's a whole thing. And what happens to your faith here, Joan? My my last question for this podcast is, what happens? He passes away. Well, um, yeah. Then then we come um, we come home that night, and I I threw out signs of cancer immediately. Immediately, and you know. It was so hard when he was at the hospital to, you know, we would text back and forth every night um, before we'd go to sleep. And um, like the possibility, you know, it, it was so difficult to not have him there in bed, you know, for 28 years, 30 years we've been in bed, you know, there together. And it was just weird that, you know, we hadn't been apart that much. And like to go to sleep that night was just. When you went home. It was brutal. And, you know, those are just the things people don't see. All the little, all the private moments. And, you know, when someone comes up to me, and they've lost someone close, especially a partner. Like I, I instantly go, "Oh yeah." Like you, you just call me. <laughs> you just, I'm on you now. I'm on you, like you did for me, Tracy. Mm. You were on me. You checked in with me sometimes three times a day. You had me over. You, you pulled into me. You know, uh, others did too. You were like a gnat. <laughs> <laughs> in a, a nice net, a really good net. 
because those private moments are just killers. And it started that night, mm. even though my kids were there. And everybody's around you, but the person is not there anymore. Yeah. You know, and you're leaving a building and they're up in that room <laughs> and you're walking to your car and you know they're never coming home. Like, it's just like your, your brain can't, I it just, you can't even, like, can't even decipher it. And I was thinking today, you know, disease or accidents or things that happen to our loved ones and they're taken is one thing. But then grief, it's almost like it, it tries to take you, mm. like it comes after you. It's, it's so hard to describe, but it comes after you, like it chases you down. And it finds you in the weirdest places and all the time. It's always there. Yeah. Like, so this thing happened to you, happened to your, your person that you're, whichever person that is in your life. So they're gone now. So they can't help you through it. And then this horrible thing called grief just comes in and wants to like own you and take over your psyche and your, your bloodstream. And it's almost like it wants to kill you too. Like that's how it felt. Mm. And for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, reaching out to um, to Jesus. I don't know if I talked to him for a few days, <laughs> except for the the occasional, just please help me, you know. Like I didn't know what I didn't know what to say. I honestly didn't know what to say to God. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. I wonder if it... I, I didn't have words. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think that's what I want to talk about in our next podcast together. And that is, um, you had faith. Bob had faith. Mm-hmm. You stood in in opposition to the doctors, the nurses, the, you know, standing, trusting God. What happens to your faith? Right. And and you you have prophetic words, prophetic words. I'm All doing over. I'm doing air 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 quotes. You have God's words to you. And I know you and I talked about this and we'll talk about this in our next session, next podcast is you go back and you read the prophetic words in light of his passing, and they take on a completely different connotation. So even these words are out there. We read them. We interpret them one way. You have a different lens, and mm-hmm. now it's like a weight. Were you, were you talking to us? Mm-hmm. So, And what happens to your faith? Where does it go? And I think you've, you know, you've had some encounters that also helped you through that I want to, I want to talk about some encounters with God and some encounters where you heard whispers Mm -hmm. that I'd love to have you share. So again, I know we're landing in a, uh, interesting spot, but just thank you for joining us. And Joni, again, thank you for your 
vulnerability for sharing. This is not even eight years later. Mm -hmm. It still has those tender moments Mm -hmm. and um, just so vulnerable. And I really appreciate you, you willing to share. And uh, Sophia, you being here, you journeyed through Mm -hmm. this whole thing. Yeah. And right there. I was, I was your gnat. (laughs) She was my gnat. Okay. She, she was with me behind the scenes. So as much as I supported you, I had Sophia supporting me. So it's very appropriate that it's the three of us sitting here. Little holy trinity of nuts. That's so sweet. Yeah. Little, it really is. It's, I didn't even think about that until you were talking and I'm like, yeah, Sophia was taking care of my life. So I owe you a blueberry pie. Yeah, you do. what I'm hearing. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, but I and get it first. You yeah, get it first. Yeah, I get it. All okay, right. well, ha- how about if the three of us eat a blueberry okay. pie among ourselves? I think no, can- I want my own. <laughs> and right. is it blueberry season? It, yeah. It's pretty close. It's ending, so we got to get that soon. Yeah, get, it, right. get it in. So thank you again, and thank you for tuning in. And again, we're going to have a couple more podcasts on grief and on what that grief looks like and navigating this. It's, I just so appreciate just your honesty and yeah, just sharing your heart with us. So we thank you for showing. Thank you to Dave and Sophia and again, Joni and come back for our next podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks. Staying at the Table is hosted by Dr. Tracy Saletta, Matthew Kistler, and James Beatty, and produced by Hear It Sound and Studio. Got a question or a comment or a topic you want discussed? Email us at adminccf at gmail.com. We'd love hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with new episodes coming out. And if you're feeling kind, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Find out more about staying at the table at cornerstonewestchester.com. Thank you.